Hello, my name is Ishan Rola, and welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight. On this podcast, we will be providing a platform for people to share their stories, perspectives, and thoughts on a wide range of public issues. This week, we have a graduate student who just completed her master's in education coming to share her experiences as a student teacher during the pandemic. She shares how different schools have responded and the potential long-term impacts social distancing will have on education and students. Long-distance learning is difficult and could potentially be here for a while. It is important to remember an important day one lesson for educators, that education doesn't happen in a vacuum. A new episode coming right up. All right, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. I was really excited to do it. Yeah, so one of the first questions I had was to start before the pandemic. What were Uh your responsibilities as a student teacher? Okay, so before the pandemic happened, I was placed at a school um, at the very beginning of the school year just to observe the teacher like three days a week. And then I had my grad school classes the other two days out of the weekday or week, work week, work week. And um, so I was just there observing, sort of learning what it's like to be a teacher. And then after winter break, I came back to the school and I was in the lead role as like the teacher now and so my responsibilities were to basically plan every lesson that I was going to teach them um that was like the main thing with student teaching that's sort of like your main role is just to like practice the teaching part um I also graded a lot of their papers and a lot of their homework assignments and that sort of thing um I didn't have to do too much of the other stuff that teachers usually have to do, like the, uh, you know, like the morning, like bus duty and like stuff like that. But I did get to like sort of dip my toes into those positions, like talking with parents of students who like need a little bit of extra help and stuff. I was always there for those meetings. I was always there for like parent teacher conferences. I went to the um, professional development days. I basically did everything that my mentor teacher did. Um, but she was sort of just like there to like oversee me and make sure that I wasn't like doing anything wrong. Um, so yeah, so that was basically what it was. I would say the biggest part of it was just like practicing lessons, sort of figuring out what kind of lessons work for students. And like, I I teach English. And so it's like, how do I sort of make those discussions that we would have around what we were reading work better? Because like for some students. Yeah. So, so what type of strategies did you use for that? So there's like a bunch of different things that you can do. Um, it was weird because the high school that I went to, basically every English class we had was like, we're just going to have a big whole class discussion for the whole class period about your reading that was due this morning. And so we would just talk in class, like in a big circle to everybody. And that was just kind of how it worked. Um there were, like, really weird, like, high expectations at my high school because um, it was, like, a college prep school and all of that stuff. But um, that sort of didn't work as much at, in like, on, like, the middle school level. And mm-hmm. so you, I had to be a little bit more creative. And so I would usually, like, pair students off and, like, have them talk, talk about a topic together first. And then I would have, like, each group sort of share their ideas out loud in front of class. Or I would change it to be, like um a different sort of discussion like I liked doing like silent discussions where you would have like different prompts posted around the room and like each kid would get like a little 
thing of sticky notes and they could like write comments for each prompt or like comment on like another student's ideas, sort of like an in-person discussion post. And then we would come back and talk about that as a whole class. So like sort of breaking it down so students could like think about what they wanted to say first yeah. instead of just sort of like putting them on the spot seemed to work like really well that. with yeah. my kids. Yeah. And then we also did things like um, like little group projects. Like we read Mask of the Red Death by Poe and we had them like illustrate what they thought like the prince looked like and what they thought like the Red Death looked like and why they chose those characteristics based on like the story. And then we would do like Socratic seminars where it was like you have to come up with the questions and ask your peers the questions and stuff like that. So those things worked pretty well with my students and I think it's because they got to be like so hands-on with everything that they did so that's that's usually those sort of things were usually like my go-to yeah yeah Uh, that seems like you had like a lot of interaction with the kids and right you know trying different exercises just to you know increase their education which is awesome which is right really awesome um and when were you when were you gonna uh was it a one-year program uh you're gonna graduate this year right yeah, so it started in June, and then I, well, I'm pretty much done with it now. I guess graduation yeah. would have been in two days, so. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm finished with it now, and I still have to apply for my teaching license. I don't do that till after uh, my technical graduation date, like a few weeks after that, but okay. besides that, everything's finished up, so. That's awesome. Well, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Um. So then we're going to move forward to March 12th, which is when... Okay. Mark, uh, Mark, uh, which is when uh, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced that uh, schools would be closed across the state indefinitely. Right. Um, for you and the other teachers during that, uh, in that school, could you give us some insight into what was going on, the thought process, you know, what were yeah. you guys thinking? Okay, so it was it was really strange because everybody knew that he was having that press conference on that day, and so. At the school that I'm at, the last period for our grade is basically a study hall. Um, So almost every teacher was tuned into that press conference, like listening to see what he was saying and to see what was going to happen. And it was kind of eerie just because like like all the kids were so quiet, like listening to everything that was happening. And um, it was just a really, really weird feeling to be like, okay, so we may or may not be back. So like after that happened, we had one more day of school before like we weren't allowed to come back anymore. And so on that last day, we had to be like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. If it's just like, cause I think he said three weeks is what it was. Yeah. It started and so, off with like three weeks before right, he kept on right. continually pushing it back. Yeah. yeah. And our, the school district that I was in, had like we're just going to use those three weeks as like a like a prolonged spring break almost and so we were like okay so if it lasts longer than these like three weeks we're like just try to finish reading the book like if you can because we were like halfway through a book and we we're like try to finish that if you if you have the chance Odds to. Are, if I was in that situation I would have forgotten everything about right <laughs> right and um so we were just like that we're like I guess like it was so weird for me because I was only supposed to be there until like the beginning of April anyway. And so it was weird because I was just like, well, if we have those three weeks, then I would be back for like two weeks and then I'd be gone. And so I was like, I 
sort of had to say goodbye to them already, which was odd to do, but be like, this is goodbye, maybe, probably, but I'm not really sure. And so it, it was really weird. But That's sad, because you've been yeah. spending how many months with them? Like uh, I was there since August, so like yeah. I've known them the whole school year, which was oh. so sad, because they were great. I loved those kids. They were so much fun and so smart and so awesome, and I'm, I'm yeah. I'm really gonna I already miss them so much but like it's I need to like pop in and like write them a little letter or something like a formal goodbye I feel like but yeah yeah it was really sad and like, I know all the teachers are really sad about it too but mm-hmm. you got to do what you got to do I guess so that's true and the way you're making it sound it seemed like there wasn't really a plan for those three weeks it was more of just you know yeah. have the kids do what like, just keep on track until right. we have a plan. Right. Did your school specifically have a plan on, you know, when lessons plans are going to be made or when you guys were going to get assignments out to those kids? Eventually? Right. So I, so I think at first they didn't really know. And I feel like that's okay. Cause you know, nothing like this has ever happened before. There's not like a plan yeah. in place. Like there is for like, we went over the amount of snow days we have. So we have to send you like blizzard bags and stuff. All There's not mm-hmm. really that plan. And like teachers didn't know. So they didn't really, a lot of teachers don't plan ahead that much. Cause they like to leave some room in their curriculum to like go over other things that they, like they might need to spend more time covering. And so basically just not much really happened during those three weeks, especially for me as a student teacher, like, the teachers were probably more involved in trying to figure things out and especially like the administration of the district was definitely trying to figure things out. But I think everybody was just trying to figure out the best way to like handle this kind of situation and what was like the easiest way to make that adjustment, like both for students and for teachers, because it'd be really different for both of them. And like that best adjustment night might not be the best thing for each person because like, I don't know, it, everybody's different and so like the type of like teaching that works for each teacher might not translate well online like it might for some so it's just it's weird because I feel like there's it's really hard to say what like the best way to handle it is because like nobody knows yeah and do you do you think that the school administration or other teachers believed internally that this wasn't going to be a short three-week spring break that this was going to last until the end of the school year Yeah, I feel like most people, just based on what was happening in China and, like, the fact that they were already in, like, a lockdown, like, I feel like most people knew that this was something that wasn't going to be, like, short-lived, especially since, because it was weird because at first when they were closing schools down, everyone was, like, still making comparisons of, like, COVID-19 to, like, the flu. And so they're like, schools don't shut down during the flu season, but I'm like, this is so much worse than that yeah it's worth looking at in hindsight like right it's ended up being worse than it actually we ever thought it was right so yeah it's just I I feel like most people like I knew in my gut I was like this is probably the last time I'm gonna see them which was so sad but like I don't know I felt like it was better I don't know. I feel like I was being realistic about it, which was weird because usually I'm like super positive about like think on the bright side type person. But I was like, this, there's no way. So yeah. I feel like a lot of people were on the same page as me. Like, it's just too dangerous because like, I like even at that point, that was when everybody was like, well, kids don't get it. 
And do you remember that when everyone was like, kids are just carriers. Kids can't actually like get sick from it. I remember when people were like, kids aren't dying from it, you know, it's right. only the elderly. And right. while that's like moderately true, the fact is right. that they're carrying it anyway. Right. And so like, yeah. like and everybody knows like schools are like a breeding ground for like viruses getting passed around. Like flu season is a nightmare in itself. And so to have flu season on top of like, I don't know, maybe it'll be like a COVID season thing that happens. Like I, Obviously, I don't know anything about the vir- like how the virus works. I'm an English teacher, not a science teacher, so like <laughs> I'm not the best person to talk about that, but like yeah, so it's just it's just whether it's like okay, the kids won't be getting sick, but like they could still transfer it to like somebody in their family who could get sick and die from it. So like I feel like it was probably a really good decision to close the schools down, you know, and like I feel like that's the reason why they stayed closed too. I agree. Was I both agree. for the protection of the kids, but also the, their families. I mean, and the teachers' about families. How many kids are together closed in that one school? Right. I mean, obviously, some kids don't have the best hygiene practices. Some kids, right? You know, are you know, it, it's just easy for that virus to spread around. Right. Ooh, speaking of that place. Yeah. Uh, the day, like the two days before they shut down the school, I totally forgot about this. The two days before they shut down the school, there was like designated times where each grade went to go wash their hands. Like they would just like before lunch, they all had to go wash their hands. And like in the morning when they first got there, they had to go wash their hands. And then between every class, they had to go wash their hands. It was crazy. It was just like basically forcing kids to have those good hygiene practices, which was like a pretty good action to take before the schools were closed. But it was just like, it was so weird to see like the kids just constantly like filtering in and out of the bathrooms to wash their hands. Yeah. I wonder what, what kind of like effect it's going to have in the future. Like hopefully p- kids will be scared into like making sure they wash their hands. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, there's so many other reasons. Right. But that's interesting that you say that. Yeah. It started like earlier. Yeah. It was like when the first, you like I think there's like probably some talk about this and like how it's going to affect schools. so I think because I like I think we heard the news about how there was coronavirus cases like in Ohio or like one in Ohio or something like in Cleveland yeah and so everybody was like oh we got to wash our hands now and then we heard about the order on was it the 12th or the 13th the 12th so I thought it was good that they were being proactive so I was like really I think they responded well to like that, like while we're still in school, we're going to do our best to like not spread it if it's affecting somebody like in our community. So, yeah, and props to them. Yeah. Um, so you personally, I know you've witnessed how different school districts have responded to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, once they shut down and had their prolonged spring break, uh, could you discuss, tell us like what those responses were and how did they change based on the school okay so it sort of depends on each like school district or like I guess even school to school but the school districts that can um that have like I would say more resources in each school building it's like a little bit of an easier transition for them to make it to online education because they have the ability to like give each one of their students like a laptop or like a Chromebook or like an iPad or something to take home, even if they don't have one at home. And um, schools that don't have like that one-to-one ratio, 
it would be like a little bit more difficult because they wouldn't be able to reach every student. Um, so depending on the school district, like you might be able to easily be like, okay, here's Zoom. We're going to use Zoom like once a week. You'll meet with your teacher and you'll have like assignments and like that's what it'll be. Um, but that's not really possible for all school districts. So like school districts who like within a school district, there might be some schools that are able to do that online education and some schools that might not be able to. It just sort of depends on each school and like how many like laptops or Chromebooks they have. Um, so, yeah, so it sort of changes based on that. Um, some schools, I think, are doing like packets, which is a little bit iffy because like it's hard because like they are trying their best to get like some amount of education to the students but like packets are hard because it's like you can't really check in with your teacher when while you're doing those packets like you can't really get like feedback like extensive feedback on that especially if it's just like this much of a packet is due like every two weeks or something it's like that's just not the same as having like especially like for English class for example like filling out a packet about a book you read isn't the same as having like an in-depth discussion about that book you know yeah you're completely right and that's something that came across my mind because for some of these kids that don't get the chromebooks um in those school districts if you have a packet also you know or if if you don't have the uh, technology you don't get those videos where the people explain to someone or where the teacher right. may be zooming you and explaining to it and that's right. way more effective than just reading it off a of paper right you know? So, right, and there's that difference between, like, instruction and then just, like, assessment. Like, some kids just get that assessment part where it's basically, like, they have to figure it out for themselves, but they never get any instruction from their teachers. So that's something, too, to think about. But the other thing is, like, even some of these school districts that, like, do have, act, like, they do have the ability to give each student a computer or like a Wi-Fi, I don't like hotspot stick. I don't really know what they're called, but the school districts that even have those um, resources, like it may not always be completely like equitable because some of these students, like maybe their parents are like essential workers and they still have to go to school every day. So they might either be at like a family member's house during the day, or they might have like a younger sibling that they might have to have um, you know, they might have to have a, like, responsibility in taking care of them while their parents are at work. Or even, like, something that's, like, I didn't really think about too much until, like, one of my, like, colleagues brought it up was, like, if the school doesn't give you a computer, somebody might have a computer at home, but they might only have one, and they might have siblings who need to use that computer for school at the same time that they do. So there's that conflict, too, that, like, they won't be able to have access to it because they have to share it, you know? Yeah, and this kind of reminds me of what someone was talking about, how, you know, there's behavior, how people behave versus, like, institutional effects. And there's so many behind-the-scenes factors that you can do something as simple as, okay, we're going to have teaching at home, but there's all these factors such as, you know, their parents might not be home, their parents might be working, and mm -hmm. they might be at home alone, which means that either they have to take care of themselves as kids, Right. Or they have to, as you said, go to a family member's house, which further displaces them. Or right. they have to share a computer with the sibling, which means they get, like, half the time normal kids have right. to do their work. So right. it just seems that 
this is something that works in theory, but there's so much institutional effects that right. it's not really respecting some of the, you know, inner city kids, for example, or other mm-hmm. kids that don't have this type of benefits. Right. Well, even like aside from that point too, like a lot of kids depend on like school lunches for like, they, it might be like one of the only yeah. meals that they get each day. And I know that there's some school districts that are like still providing like lunches to students and they can come in and like pick up lunch for like the week or like supplies for the week, which is awesome. But like, it's just like other factors like that. It's like, how can, how can you like expect a student to fully focus on this online instruction when they might not even like be able to, you know, have lunch and dinner every day. Like they're hungry. They're not going to want to focus on their schoolwork. They have other things that they have to worry about. And like, I mean, I'm a teacher and like, I think education is so important, but like, obviously having those basic human needs is more important. And like taking care of like your mental health is more important than like finishing a homework packet, you know? Yeah, completely. And that's a good point with the school lunches. Cause a lot of people or a lot of kids rely on schools as that one solid or that one constant. Mm-hmm. And now that that's not there, you know, I- I'm glad that they're giving the right. school lunches back and yeah. um, they're awesome. providing that for them. Right. Um, and so another one of my questions is how did you respond? Um, what changes did you personally have to make in terms of your teaching styles or what your responsibilities were? Okay. Um, so I feel like my first response was I was one super shocked and like really sad that I probably, excuse me, wasn't going to be able to see the kids again. Um, after that, I was kind of worried about, um, my own teaching license and cause I had to get a certain amount of hours, um, or be there for a certain amount of weeks. And I was on week 10 out of 12 that I needed. And so I had to get like 60 more hours of like online instruction Um, so I was a little bit worried about that. Um, I had to make a lot of changes with the way that I teach because sort of, like I said earlier, I talked about how I really liked doing more like hands-on things with the students or like group projects that really are student centered and like focus around them and like have them explore a topic and like class discussions. But it's kind of hard to do that over virtual instruction. Um, so it kind of stinks because I basically just was like making materials for them to use later because I couldn't really assign them anything in those three weeks. So I was just making like, you know, discussion questions. Yeah. So it's like, I could probably use these later in the year. Like when I go, like when they're able to start actually assigning stuff after these three weeks like I'll give them these assignments and so I was just it was just a lot of planning instead of actually like interacting with the students um so like now the school that I'm at their setup is like you have you see each one of your subject teachers once a week um so like each teacher has a day like for me like English was like Wednesday so like I got to see my kids on Wednesdays um over Zoom and other than that, it was just, like, giving them, like, assignments. And it kind of stinks because it's, like, like no kid wants to do a worksheet. Like, I don't really want to give my kids a worksheet, but, like, I have to give them something, you know? Yeah, you're really so restrict- it's just, like, you're really 
yeah. how much you can do right once everything is just through a zoom meeting or anything right. you know, all that interaction is gone especially considering that you're going from seeing them from five days a week to not just once a week so right that also breaks down that relationship right yeah it's just i feel like it's it's just really hard to produce like high quality education through it like i feel like a lot of people are able to get we're able to do really good things, but especially, I don't know. It's just like, I just don't see like worksheets and handouts as high as quality as like, or as valuable as like those discussions that they could have like five days a week. But now they, like you said, they only get them like one day a week now instead. So. Yeah. And what do you think, like what type of strains do you think this put on the students and how they learn? Um, so for the students, it's, it's, it kind of depends because some students actually do really well with like online instruction because they have like a more open schedule and some students like that. Um, other students, they don't do so well with it. They like that sort of routine and they like seeing their teacher in person and they like interacting like face to face with their peers. There's just different like learning types. Um, so that's one way that it could strain students who like who like that sort of hands-on learning. And, like, that's how I am. Like, I would much prefer to take um, in-person classes than online classes. Like, in college, I never opted to do the online class because I, I just learn better when I'm there in person. Um, it also, like, really – it's hard because it's going to, like, cause all these, like, communication issues, you know, because, like, a big part of education is, like, communication and, like, support from the teachers. And, like, that's not – as readily available. Um, I know a lot of teachers are just like available around the clock 24 seven now, basically just like, there's like apps you can use so that students can text you to like a separate phone number and you can answer them. So basically now teachers are answering questions that way, but it's still not gonna be as good as an in-person explanation. Cause like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to explain something over a text message before, but it's uh, it's the worst. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so much harder than just like being because like I don't know why, but the way that I like to explain things is a lot. It's like I always draw pictures of stuff, that makes and like sense. I, it is yeah. so much harder to try to explain something like that over text message. So like that's going to be like another additional strain that they um that they have is like they might not have that same amount of communication to their teacher and the same amount of support um also support from their classmates i know one of the biggest reasons a lot of kids enjoy going to school is for their classmates and building those relationships even you know learning from their classmates but now you know even say there's their teachers might be there 24 7 they're not going to have that engagement with their right um, with their classmates at all right and that's super important too and like i taught in a middle school so like that age is when they're sort of you know breaking away from their parents more and they're starting to put like a lot more value on their like relationship with like their friends and so to just like have that taken away and like so quickly I feel like it's gonna like have some sort of effect on like their socialization you know and like for younger students um I was thinking about this the other day like at the ages when you're learning how to read and how to write and how to do like basic math, like adding and subtraction, like kids, those ages, I feel like are going to be the ones who end up like 
hurting the most from this just because I feel like it's a possibility that they might have some knowledge gaps because of this or they might be a little bit more behind. I can't say for sure, but like it also, again, depends on like the quality of like the online education that they're getting. But it's something to just sort of think about is like how that might affect them in those ways, too. And what are examples of these core skills that you're talking about? Just so like so like basic reading skills like and this is way younger kids that I'm talking about so like yeah like in first grade when you first start I don't first practice like reading on your own and like that sort of stuff like they might not like I'm trying to think if it's a good way to word this they might not be able to teach that to themselves because that's something that I mean they're first graders and they they need that like instruction from their teachers and so I feel like that sort of thing like learning how to read and how to write that's going to probably have to be something that they're going to have to be like retaught or like it's something that's going to have to be like reinforced with them just because it's so hard to do it online and like obviously that's not the case for everybody because it's going to be different like every teacher is going to have a different way of teaching online and like some ways might work for some students. And like there could be two students in the same teacher's classroom who is learning how to read and the online instruction might work really well for one student, but it might not work for the other. So like, it's just things like that, that could affect them. I feel like as they move forward in education and they need those basic like foundational building blocks to like continue on with their education. Like you need to know, how to read and you need to know how to, in order to like think about like literary devices which will help you like interpret a novel so yeah. it's like if you don't have that first basic building block it's going to be harder for you to like move on to the next part of that like sequence if that uh-huh. makes sense yeah and i want to bring back the point of the parents you know some parents aren't home because i feel like a lot of people would think okay their parents can just teach them this stuff but again mm-hmm. going back to some of the parents that are working or right you know struggling for money you know, right. These kids aren't going to have another person potentially to teach them these core skills. Right. And do you think this will affect, you know, these res- these consequences will affect future lesson plans in the in uh, coming years? Like, say a kid isn't getting these core skills in kindergarten, maybe first grade will have to readjust their curriculum right. to um, make up for that. Probably. I mean, I feel like what they'll probably do because, like, what you do anyway at the beginning of every year is you sort of assess what skills your students already have. Like you want to know what they are. You want to know what your students can do on their own. Well, like what they've already done on their own. And you also want to know what they can do with like a little bit of help from somebody else and what sort of things they like don't have any experience with or like can't do by themselves or with help. And so I feel like maybe at the beginning of the year, teachers might assess that and see like, Oh, they should have been here, but they're not like, I'm going to have to go back and sort of touch base on that before I move forward. And like, I can definitely see that happening in some cases um, because of that. And like, like I'm going to go back to your point about like their parents might not be around to help them, but like, even if students do have their parents around, it's not really the same to get taught by your parents a lot of the time, unless they have experience with that. Like, unless you're like homeschooled already or like, your parent is a teacher in the subject that you need help on. Like, I'm horrible at math. I If I had a kid and they were asking me for help with, like, eighth grade math, like, like I had eighth graders doing, like, algebra. 
I don't remember anything from algebra and I probably would not be able to help them. So like there's that too. Like a parent might not be able to help them depending on like what their skill set is. Like there's a reason you specifically train to teach on a specific subject. Right. A parent won't be able to teach at the same like level of efficiency as you might. Right. Because, you know, they're, they're obviously learned to do something else. So. Right. That's a good point. And that brings me to my next question, which is, you know, obviously this long, I don't want to make this, you know, long distance learning seem like a bad thing. This is like pretty much the best way we could have dealt with this situation. Right. But the reason we're talking about this is because we want to acknowledge how this might affect certain students who don't have the same benefits as, you know, the, as other kids and might not mm-hmm. be able to transition to this long term distance learning and we just want to acknowledge that this might have consequences in the years going forward right and And like I'm not an expert either like I'm a first year teacher this is just what I've sort of noticed based on my experiences this year you know exactly yeah so what do you think the long-term effects of this pandemic will have on our education it's kind of hard to say um but I feel like it's going to change the way that, in general, society, like, interacts with each other. And I feel like that's going to sort of transfer itself into education. Because I feel like, I don't know, like, a big part of, like, American society is, like, coming together and, like, I don't know, we always were, like, taught to share with each other or, like, like that sort of stuff. Like, I feel like we're not going to be told that anymore, you know? Like, and I feel like people are going to be much more wary of other people after this just because they're like afraid they might get them sick or something so I don't know like I wonder if like class size requirements might change to try to make smaller class sizes but like that's not always possible because I mean people want smaller class sizes already and it's just not feasible yet so I mean I don't really know for sure but like I feel like it's definitely going to have some sort of long-term effect like that, or like they're going to have to come up with some sort of like sustainable um, distance learning model that schools can use for each just school district, case. just in case, yeah. like they do with snow days, like they yeah. they have that backup plan of something that they can do, like an emergency plan. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say, but I definitely know it's going to make some sort of impact on schools because everybody's talking about how it's already just changing like the way that the world is in general now. Like I keep hearing people saying like um, the world's never going to go back to the way that it was before the pandemic hit. Um, Like something will always be different. And I feel like that's going to be the same case for schools. What do you think are going to be the long-term effects on the kids as well? So, that's hard to say too. I feel like sort of what I talked about earlier, like how there might, like it might produce some knowledge gaps or um, like it's going to be hard for kids to have the same level of socialization, both at like a younger age and at like an older age. So it'll be really interesting to see how like not interacting with peers or like people who think and act like you or things that you have in common with every single day like, because that's the big part of you that, like, shapes who you are when you're so young is, like, having those opportunities to, like, socialize with other students. So I feel like that's one of the biggest effects that it's going to have. Like, not having that, 
you know, especially as a young kid, that culture of being able to cooperate and work with other people might right. affect, you know, as a group, you know, obviously kids are learning to take care of work by themselves. Um, and right. also specifically for like the students that don't have the Wi-Fi. Right. Um, do you think that the students who might not have these resources or have to do door-to-door packets, this could kind of create a larger divide between them and other students that have these resources? Probably in the way where just like the students who are able to have these resources have like an advantage over the ones who don't just because they're not getting the same level of instruction and they're not getting like in as in-depth lessons delivered to them. So like the kids who can access these things like easily and have like a lot of support with them, they're definitely going to have an easier time learning the subjects than the other kids. It's just not very equitable to have online learning like this when it's not going to be the same for each kid, but that's almost impossible to do. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things I'm kind of just worried about, you know, um, like you told me long-term, if COVID is long-term, that the schools will invest more in tech. And I hope by investing more in tech or being able to accommodate long distance learning, they'll be able to better accommodate these students. Right. Because, you know, to be honest, two months we can we can make up for. But, right. You know, exactly. some, some of these kids in inner city schools, you know, if, if this continues on, you know, next year and the year mm-hmm. after, you know, they might they're not going to get the same uh, level, uh, high level education as other students would. And that would be just right. an, an additional education barrier. Right. Um, preventing them from, you know, going up in society. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really unfortunate. There's just so many factors that seem to keep the same kids down, you know? Yeah. And this is just another one that it's, it's really hard to prevent it from happening. But like you said, I really hope that, I really hope that they can invest in like other resources that would make it easier for these kids to be able to check into school. Cause like, I'm sure that the kids who aren't, you know, reporting to their teacher, even who do have access to online things, I'm sure that the reason they're not reporting to their teacher isn't because they don't want to do school. It's not that they don't care about it. It's, it's that they, there's something else going on that they have to be taking care of at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And for, yeah, sorry, keep going. No, go ahead. I was done. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I I was curious for you, how does, you know, the response to this pandemic and the pandemic itself, its effects on education, how has that influenced your career decisions, your perspectives, and your thoughts on teaching? So, it's going to kind of suck for a while. Just like, I'm going to... I'll probably start teaching online, which is not necessarily what I like, you know, signed up for. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm still going to be happy to teach if that is the case. Um, But I don't know. I'm really passionate about education. And I just think that um, my perspective throughout all of this is that just relationships with your students and collaboration among like your colleagues and your students is like more important than ever before. Um, I mean, those are already core practices in education, like relationship building and collaboration. Like that's like the emphasis that most schools like place 
on Absolutely. their teachers. And teaching and, on Zoom is just not going to be the same thing right. as in person. Right. And so I feel like what I hope to do, if this is, you know, going to be online at the beginning of this year or not, I want to make sure that I'm being as, avail- as available to my students as I possibly can and, like, just making sure that I'm reaching out to my colleagues and asking for help because, I don't know, one of my favorite sayings is that, like, education doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like, it's a big, like, it's almost like a big ecosystem of people, like, helping other people, reaching out to other people, and just, like, making things work for each other. It's it's very collaborative, and being able to build relationships with your students and make sure that they feel comfortable, like, reaching out to you is going to be really, really important. And so I think that's something that I want to try to focus on my first year as, like, an educator. Yeah, yeah. And that'll be super important moving forward if this is a long-term thing, finding right. different ways to increase those relationships and make right. sure, you know, it's, it's right. students building off students, teachers building off teachers rather than just one video call and you're kind of left right. alone to deal with exactly. your family. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, this has been a really insightful conversation. Thank you so much for coming to talk with us today about this. Yeah, no problem. It was It was great. I had a good time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like this week's story and want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to us and give us a positive review. Additionally, Hidden in Plain Sight is looking to talk with people about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected them. If you are a health professional fighting on the front lines, someone who has been diagnosed or has had a loved one diagnosed with coronavirus, a student experiencing unemployment and job insecurity, or just, or just any student who wants to talk about their experiences during the pandemic, Contact us so we can have a conversation. We want to be able to share your voice. Thank you all once again for listening, and I will see you back next week.